This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone, you are On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com with thanks to our great mates at The Race Talk and Truck Assist. It's Gold Coast Week, which means we're happy because we're heading north where the sun is shining and supercars spend more time on two wheels than those that will be going to the MotoGP at Phillip Island do. Uh, guest host Richard Crail with you in the Adelaide studios, joined on the line by an all-star cast, our regular team. First and foremost, we say a very big hello to Tony Shebeki. G'day, Shebeks. Oh, hello, Krause. Thank you for stepping in and hosting for the evening. Unfortunately, can't be near the studio tonight, so appreciate you doing that. Uh, Mark Walker is on the other end of the line from Queensland. Mark, good afternoon. Your hostness, Shebex, my favourite race weekend of the year coming up. I love it. Gold Coast 600, bring this on. Agreed. We'll we'll talk more about that because I want to get the vibe of this event because it is absolutely one of the best. And uh, from his luxurious Melbourne abode, it's the Racetalk.com's chief editorial correspondent, Dale Rogers who's been blazing over a keyboard for some cool features coming soon on the race talk. G'day, Dale. Richard, Tony and Mark, good evening. And uh, you're right, this is a cracker weekend and uh, let's just hope we go racing instead of uh, go to the judicial inquiry after it. Now, let's just put a line through Bathurst, boys. We're done. It was amazing motor race. All the stuff that happened, happened. Uh, We're definitely eyes forward in terms of the sport and the eyes take us to the Gold Coast. Um, Mark, you touched on the fact it's your favourite weekend because you are one of the most died in the world Queenslanders I know after Dick Johnson. Um, but this is a special weekend, isn't it? It's the history of the joint, it's the circuit, it's the weather, it's it's everything this weekend. It's the vibe. <laughs> it is It is the vibe, it's all of the above. The thing I think I like about this track the most is that it's just dumb. It's just a really <laughs> stupid racetrack. Like, it's got all these features that just don't appear on any other racetrack that we visit. Like that back chicane, the beach chicane, that is the best bit of spectator track anywhere in the country. Like you go on top of the mountain, but the cars have a bit of attitude and they're loaded up. Here they're flying. Like they're up on two wheels one way, two wheels out. It's fantastic. Like, And the other thing about this track is that you are so close to it. As a photographer, it might not necessarily be the most photogenic track like Bathurst. Okay, that's a given. But you can feel the cars, like they are centimetres away from you in places and you just don't get that rush as a punter anywhere else in the circuit. Like You look at places like Phillip Island, and I mean Phillip Island might be the best driver's track you can find, but as a punter you're just so far away from the racing circuit, you may as well be at home watching on TV. So I really enjoy it, you get up close and personal with the cars, everything's louder, it's faster, you can smell them, oh, I love it. Shebex? Uh, I, I totally agree with you, Mark. It's a fantastic track, and if we can be a little bit selfish for a moment, Richard, I know that we're predominantly all going up there to watch supercars, but for you and I, this weekend will hold a special place in, I reckon, our race-calling uh, history due to the fact that we are going to see some amazing racing in Porsche Carrera Cup with two guys vying for the championship in the pro category in the Tag Heuer Pro-Am. We've got three guys. The two guys in pro are two points... Uh, difference between each other and the three guys in Pro-Am, about 15 points difference, and they've got to sort it out and win a championship on this racetrack. There's going to be some crazy moves made, especially race three on Sunday if there's only a couple of points left, 
and someone's going to get past someone to win. It is going to be amazing racing. Yeah, I tend to agree. We'll come back around on Career Cup a bit later on in the show because that is a championship showdown worth discussing. Dale, the, the thing about the Gold Coast that I love is that it's got heritage. It's got genuine heritage as a racetrack because it dates back to the very early 90s when it was that famous IndyCar race and it's built and grown since then. So like Adelaide, it, it's not just a street circuit that's popped up in recent memory. There's every corner you walk around has got, you can go, oh, Nigel Mansell was there or so-and-so crashed here or, you know, the, the Wing Cup Van Gisbergen Battle of 2010 was here. It, it just wreaks history, much like Bathurst, much like Adelaide. Yeah, it does, Rich. I I, uh, I did go to the first event in '91, uh, where we're all. When you go to a new street circuit, you're just in awe of everything. Hadn't seen an IndyCar before, and they were electric. Uh, they went through a great era. They had some amazing races with with weather, monsoons, you name it. They got it. Cars upside down on pit straight. But I think the recovery of the race is the important thing. It's uh, you know the track has been shortened. It's taken quite a big cut from down where it used to go down to what was then the Holiday Inn. Uh, but the track, as Mark says, is, is absolutely nuts. Um, it, it provides brilliant racing, not only for supercars, but for the undercard as well. And we've got a pretty good undercard. And we've got the jumpy trucks back. Yes. So um, yes. Expect, expect some excitement. Um, I, was, I was down in the, in the pits when they were last there, and we'd seen them at Adelaide. But I, we were watching on the pit straight, and I don't think I'd ever seen them go as high. Um, all, you know, so I can understand some of the nervousness of the days. But... Um, uh, yeah, it's a great entertainment. There's a party vibe. The place is alive. Um, yeah, it's it's great. And, but you know, I, I think that the real credit to the event, and uh, we know a lot of the people who are involved with that, was that the recovery from what was what was potentially a disaster. The event is holding its own, and uh, I think running into the twilight on Saturday is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, unlike unlike the southern states where we live, uh, Shebex um, and, and Rich, uh, there is no twilight in uh, in Queensland. No. It's light, then it's dark. So uh, <laughs> it's exactly it's, it's going to be pretty interesting stuff. So, and you know, again, Scotty goes in the supercars with with a great lead, and uh, the racing is going to be red hot. And the co-drivers once again will be absolutely critical of the results. Well, a, a couple of my favourite, a couple of my favourite supercar memories are at uh, are at the Gold Coast track. One yeah. being that wet, uh, that wet, wet day. I can't remember the year. Was it 2014, 2013, when we had the international co-drivers as well, and Jacques Villeneuve took out half the field, including <laughs> two of his or three of his teammates. That was just one of my favourite memories in supercars. And the other one was uh, young Tyler. Tyler Everingham, and uh, in Formula Fours, when he actually launched off one of those chicanes, oh yes, and flew for about eighty meters. That was an amazing thing to watch. That I don't think he's ever been seen since. No, <laughs> still, still in orbit. I, I was, uh, I was calling a champ car race in two thousand and seven when Nelson Felipe won. I think it was his only win in champ car. Um, yeah. and and the winner was. He was driving for HVM, which is Keith Wiggins' team, used to run Pacific in Formula 1. But it, it was Minardi Team USA, so Paul Stoddart had bought into it that year. But Cedric the Entertainer was um, was a co-owner, and no one in Australia knew who Cedric the Entertainer was, and I don't think anyone knows who he is to this day. But I distinctly remember one of my colleagues, Wade Ornger at the time, interviewed him after the race in pit lane, and launched it off by going, well, Mr. The Entertainer, uh, how was that for you? And this, this big American dude just launched into this rambling thing about how amazing the Gold Coast was. 
But um, <laughs> I remember that very, very fondly. It was an amazing race. And then um, uh, the 08 race when Briscoe won became the first Aussie to win the IndyCar race there, which was also the last yeah. one was was pretty spectacular. Walker, were you there in 91? I was there in 93, the, the year of the Nigel. I've never oh, missed yes. one since then. But uh, that was uh, that was cool. Actually, there's a feature on the race talk that we should probably dig up about Nigel mania from that year. That was uh, that was a cracker. We had grandstand seats on the old uh, the first beachside chicane. It was actually where the grass runoff was from '94 onwards, because everybody crashed into it. It was sensational, and got we got flicked up with all the sludge that was sitting in the tyres overnight. So uh, yeah, good memories getting covered in poop that was left in the tyres. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> there, there were some great names in those early days. So I remember John, John Andretti in, in their beautiful yellow Penzoil car won the first race. Uh, Danny Sullivan was there. There was you know we saw. The stars of here, Rick Mears were there. We really saw some amazing drivers, and then of course the Mansell thing took over. But those early races were great. No one knew, no one knew unless you were real enthusiast much about it. Uh, but instantly, I reckon the crowd said these cars are seriously cool, and this circuit just is made for these yeah. cars because they were exciting on that track. The best thing I ever saw there were Will Powers qualifying laps, and he had about three of them. But he just had that ability in the IndyCar champ car to find half a second on everybody. Um, he yeah. did it in he did it in 08 in that Delara, but in the panels the year before, he was he was electrifying because those were properly quick. Um, and just the way he bounced that thing off the walls without actually breaking it was was otherworldly. Yeah. And, and that track Fantastic. brings out the best in it, doesn't it? It's so much energy, For sure. like Mark mentioned, with it. Um, so we move on. It's round two of the Pertec Enduro Cup. Uh, it's a critical round, as Shebex mentioned, for co-drivers. Um, how does this weekend play it out? I suppose we've got a form guide from from the mountain now, but, I mean, it's, it's wide open. But yeah, you have to think that those experienced Triple Eight combinations go into this looking really, really good because we all talked up before the 1,000 about how Mount Panorama would be a test for the co-drivers because it's so tough. But this is arguably tougher from a, a, a part-time driving point of view in one of those cars, surely. This is a track for blokes with with large balls. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And Shane Van Gisbergen is absolutely suited to this track. Uh, I expect him to have a fantastic weekend up there. He just uh, he just loves it up uh, on, the, on the Gold Coast. There's no doubt about that. And I think uh, that he's still got a little bit of fight in him, even though I don't think he'd win the championship. I think he'd love to be up there and about. So I think uh, Shane Van Gisbergen is a guy that I think is just going to go absolutely hard on this one. And Garth Tander, too, to have him as his co-driver, I mean, that's a pretty handy addition. We talk about, we spoke about it with Garth and, and also with uh, Craig Lowndes up at Bathurst. But, uh, I mean, you go to a track like this, and even that driver experience is pre- probably even more critical, isn't it, than it is at Bathurst. Shebex, there's some interesting uh, you know, points that have come out of that because obviously it's scored from Bathurst, so Scotty and, and Alex Pema are leading. But, you know, Courtney sits in third place on the, in the Pertec Enduro Cup. Scotty Pye's in there as well. Mark Winterbottom's in there as well. So there's quite a few players that could actually pick up another fifth or sixth place comfortably in this race and all of a sudden, for the Sandown round, be in contention if, if one of those, you know, the, the McLaughlin, the Wind Cup or the Van Gisbergen has a bad day out. So the fact that a lot of that top ten played into the, into the game at, uh, at Bathurst uh, means this point score is going to be really interesting this weekend. And uh, the, the guy, of course, who's lost his points is Fabian, so whatever he gets will be a bonus. So the format for the weekend, uh, Sunday, Sunday, both have 20-minute qualifying top 10 shootout. Friday, there's only 
three 30-minute long practice sessions. The middle one is designated for co-drivers only. So co-drivers, 30 minutes to get the eye in, not yeah. a lot of time. So <laughs> Good they're going to be expected to start the race and do half of it, So depending yeah. how the, yep. the safety cars pan out. So pressure to the max. I think there's going to be a fair bit of pressure on our friends over there at Penrite Erebus Racing. Uh, they've been up on the wheel and having a fair bit of talk after Bathurst on various subjects that aren't themselves, but for mine, that was a big disappointment there because they did nothing. Both their cars were nowhere on race day. They never sort of figured. Uh, Reynolds got up there in the fifth at the chequered flag simply by not crashing into things, but uh, he was lucky to be in the top ten if uh, if all else played out straight. So I think the pressure is going to be on those guys because uh, they had a bit of a Barry, so to speak, down there from Barry's squad at Bathurst. So um, my eyes will be on them. Yeah, I, mm. I agree with that. Um, boys, Scott McLaughlin can claim the championship this weekend, quite obviously, because after this, we've got only the Sandown 500 and then two races on the streets of Newcastle uh, for points. So 600 points up for grabs this weekend. Uh, Scotty, if Shane retires from Saturday's race, uh, Scott needs to finish on the podium, and he's the champion. Um, he can win it on Sunday too. Basically... If he gets 21 more points than Shane Van Gisbergen this weekend, uh, he wins the championship, and he wins it in October, which would yep, be yeah. the earliest it's been wrapped up for, what, a decade, maybe? Because Wink Cup had some, had some absolute beltings, but it was like penultimate round sort of stuff, not with two rounds to go. So my next one is, will Scotty win it this weekend? Do you think it's all over, or... Do Triple Eight lift and do they take it to Sandown where Scotty or do, is it prolonging the agony? I suppose is what I'm what I'm trying to say with this one. Yeah, well, Scotty, no, with... Richard, I think the, the answer to that question lies with your form of picking everything that was pickable at Bathurst, <laughs> the oh. crowd, the fastest lap, yeah, and everything. Right. So I'm I'm just deferring to you uh, to say will he or won't he? Um, you know, I, I think in reality. It would be staggering for him to not come away, and I, I think if you go back in the annals of uh, on the grid earlier in the year, um, there was a fair bet on the fact that it would be wrapped up at the Gold Coast. So uh, I'd be staggered if he doesn't walk away this weekend as champion. Yeah, pretty well, much the same. There's a, a thing on hashtag V8SC that compares all the various championships around the world and sort of compares them all on a same for same basis. And <coughs> Scott McLaughlin is the number one ranked driver. In the world, out of everyone, Mark, Mark has everyone. So, yeah. well, that's because Alex, Alex Kremer has done those ratings, I think, because he said he's better than Lewis. <laughs> well, yeah, no, but that's fair. Yeah. I'll call it. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> old RP speaks fairly highly of him. He don't compare just everybody to Rick Mears like he did at Bathurst last week. So, um, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, amazing. So that that's a yes. Then I think, boys, we're we're generally agreed that it's all over. Yep. Yep. I think we'd all be pretty much surprised if it wasn't. Yeah. We just need to dive into the archives there, Shebex, and see if we did actually. One of us predicted that uh, it would be over by the Gold Coast. Because if that's Can someone case, give me an episode number, please? Yeah. We, and it, a time code? Yep. That yeah, would we'll, be great. We'll, we'll dive into that. That'll be very, very interesting. Um, what else? What, what are the what are the wildcard things we need to look for this weekend? Uh, the, the early weather forecast, we'll start with Mark on this. He's the local. Uh, it looks better than it did 12 months ago. And remember the Sunday race rained out, torrential downpour turned into a non-event, which is a, a rare thing in supercars. No points awarded. Um, weather's not going to be a factor, do you think, this weekend? Uh, I remember that Sunday race because I 
got electrocuted standing on top of one of the buildings before the lightning started striking. So, uh, yeah, prefer not to do that. The weather looks absolutely mint. Uh, no need for jumpers. Bring the togs. We're going for a swim in the morning before we go to the track. Yeah, There's going to be no problems there, which is uh, good because that, that Sunday race was very, very messy from a, a fair few people. So, um, I, I think the fine weather is going to not be a non-factor for everyone, but those walls. The, the thing with this track is, to set a lap time, you've got to fence it. But the fast line is up against the fence. So if you fence it too much, you're going to write your car off. If you don't fence it enough, you're not going fast enough. So, uh, yeah. Pre everyone's up and about about Premo. He had a fairly good back there. There's only one little blemish there, which he managed to get away with. And a few things fell their way, but... Um, it's the sort of track that can undo you very quickly if you just have one little moment. So I don't think anything's an absolute given on this circuit. <clears throat> yeah, I think unlike Bathurst, uh, you, you, you know, we, where we had an extraordinary mix of main driver and co-driver, and Shebex and I did the grid walk, and we were quite astounded by the... It was, you know, there was a, a complete mix-up of who was where. I don't think you'll see that this weekend. This is traditionally, as, as we've said, Co-drivers will start. They'll get laps out of the way. Um, you know, maybe someone down the back will roll the dice if they want to get some track position. But uh, this will be a, a, a battle of the co-drivers, and, and that those first 30 or 40 laps with the 24 or 25 co-drivers running uh, is going to be quite sensational, as it always is. So, uh, absolute max pressure on these boys. Um, and some of them, you'd have to say at uh, Bathurst, if you look at the split times, need to lift their game a bit. What year was it that we saw Cameron Conville? Uh, did he get wiped out at the start of the race? Well, there's been a number of them have been wiped out, Tony. He's been people upside down. Yeah. Oh, just trying to remember the year. Years are not my forte, guys. But uh, one thing that I do remember is starts are extremely crucial, without a doubt. And uh, there have been plenty of incidents that have caused uh, you know major problems mm -hmm. for uh, for those co-drivers that do start the races. Well, Actually, a point there. You, you mentioned before there the grid walk. Can you bring that back? I thought that was sensational at Bathurst. That was cool. We'll uh, endeavour to do that. Thank we'll you, Mark. I appreciate oh, that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, we, 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 Martin Brundle's going to join us for the next one. We just want to keep that international flavour going. Live from Mexico, where he'll be at the Grand Prix. <laughs> Wherever he is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some speculation questions. Uh, boys, uh, if the championship is run and done, the battle for third is not. Uh, and I feel like there's more importance on the battle for third than there ever has been in the championship. Just, just from a bragging rights point of view... And probably from a championship point of view, because I think midpoint of the season, we all thought this was a one-two for the Red Mustangs and then the rest would be fighting over the Miners. But Triple Eight's return to form, Tickford Racing being fast, if being typically Tickford and carving each other up, um, Fabian Coulthard in the wars in this last part of the season, um, David Reynolds in the mix. This fight is amazing. So Shane Van Gisbergen is second in the championship and he's got more than 200 points on Mostert now so let, let's just call Shane a lock for P2 but Mostert 2447 Coulthard yep. 2401 so there's 46 points there and then there's another 21 back to wink up in fifth and Jamie's got Craig Lowndes with him for two more rounds remember and then yep. another 74 points back to Reynolds in sixth and they're the contenders so it's a it's a massive fight between Four of the very best drivers. How does this play out? Mostert's third at the moment, but out of favour after KO, KOing uh, Cam Waters on the mountain. 
uh, 15th place for that car there. So he's struggling. Fabian Coulthard hasn't finished better than 7th since Townsville, where he was second in the second race there. So he's had an absolute shocker. Uh, Wing Cup looking decent, and Reynolds has been patchy for the last couple of rounds. So this this fight for third place, it could be one to watch. And you feel like there's a bit of well, bragging rights over this. There's a spoiler in the pack there, and it's the guy that's running 7th. Because if if, if Cam Waters can keep away from Chaz Mostert, he is a further uh, bunch of points behind, but he is quite capable of ruining some of those guys' quest for third place yeah. by simply finishing very high up the order. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a ripper battle, isn't it, really, from, uh, from Chaz down to, to David. There's no question. What, 140 points between the, between the four of them. So it's great. Re- really going to be a good battle. Wouldn't that be something if uh, Chaz manages to make contact with Cam Waters for the third straight event? Oh, oh look. Can I just say something on that too? Richard, I was disappointed that you had that as a knot from Bathurst, what? the Tickford crash. I thought it was actually hot because it was one of my favourite things just to see that happen. Well, first things first, the, not, the, the hot or not power rankings, Chebex, which are, let's be honest, a phenomenon. Uh they're, they're and, and, we, and we must also say, too, we are the innovators, not the imitators. No, exactly right. We were first. Um, they, they are a collaborative effort. Uh, there was a significant amount of social media channel at the race talk throwing Tickford under the bus for that and firmly, firmly confirming that they should be not. So, for starters, let's let's not just blame blame me on that. And while Can you see was, my point, though? No, well, it was outrageously entertaining. But... From a team point of view, just massive knot. Don't KO your teammate. Oh, shocking. <laughs> nah, not, it's a knot. There's no doubt about it. It's a knot. It can't be hot. It'll happen again. Will it happen again? I, I hope so. <laughs> was that I hope so? <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, so uh, it, it, here's, here's, one, here's one for you, Dale, to you. Is it, a, is it a bad thing if DJR Team Penske aren't one and two? in the championship this year. Is that a black mark against that outfit if they don't finish one and two, given the car pace advantage that at least one of their cars has got? Well, yes, it is. No, no doubt about it is. But I think the, there are some, the, there is two circumstances in play. One is that, uh, you know, Fabian lost his third place in the championship last weekend at Bathurst. Yep. Uh, but also um, through a number of things that, that, that side of the garage just has not been, Able to eat the results out that they needed to. So yeah, I, I would I would say that that the loss of the points they are they have to be the man you know the team's championship that that, that is that there's nothing less than that. But yeah, I actually think that, that this year you know this is year five. Um, the best cars in the field, the best team in the field, the best prepared. You know, you, you, it ticks the boxes. I would have thought you know although I'll never say it because they're they're relatively modest in the way they go racing. The expectation would have been this is the year we come first and second. Yeah. All right, uh, boys. What, let, let's predict who gets who gets third. Who's best of the rest in the championship? There's some heavy breathing at your end, Shebex. Have you got an opinion on this? Uh, yes, I'm very excited about this, Richard. <laughs> oh, I could just hear the anticipation at the other end. This of the is line. the X. This is the X-rated version of on the green. No, I like it. Uh, this is what happens when I take oh, sorry, control. Sorry, apologies. Uh, third for me, Chas Mostert. Really? Holds on. Yeah. Yeah, yep, I think so. Okay. Mark? Look, this weekend, I mean, last year, Chaz and Moff, they were on it. And Moff's aggressive. like, And this is the sort of track that rewards aggressive, aggressive driving. So uh, it could sort of fall in their way. But how can you tell? I mean, 
sure the easy bit, easy bets on McLaughlin for the win and the the Red Bull cars up there, but oh, how, how can you tell? Mm. I have no idea. Mm. All right, interesting, good stuff. Uh, so that's supercars. We look forward to their two 300k races over the course of the weekend. Uh, Shebeck's touched on Porsche Pace Carrera Cup Australia before, and I think it's worth us giving some time because three rounds ago, that championship was absolutely done. It was as done as Scott McLaughlin is in front of supercars. But 208-point swing to Jordan Love in six races over two rounds has seen that championship come alive, and it goes down to the wire this weekend. And as you mentioned, Shebeck's, and and you call it like I do, what what an amazing place for a showdown between the vastly experienced, level-headed, Pacey Darwood and the Porsche Michelin Junior nomination from Australia this year, Jordan Love, who is in as good a form as a Career Cup driver has been that I've seen in this championship. How does it play out? Uh, mate, let's get one thing straight. I do not call it like you because I'm not a five-time commentary champion oh, yeah. of the uh, media awards. <laughs> so yeah, you're obviously a lot you, better than I am. Why would you bring that up? Three years, I've, I've moved on, Shebex. <laughs> There's a commentary Some, championship. <laughs> there is. Who's finishing third in that? Oh, me. I'm not even on the podium this year. It's been a shocker. No, it's going to be, a, it's be an excellent uh, championship battle. There's no doubt about it. You've got the young, impetuous Jordan Love, who's taken out the Michelin Junior Championship this year here in Australia. He's off to Germany later on the year to try and do what both Matt Campbell and Jackson Evans have done. He's a gun, an absolute gun. And you've got the, as you said, the demure, the just sensible, one would think Dale would, but uh, probably been a bit too sensible, actually. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's been something interesting with that car uh, because there's no way that he could have lost as much speed as what he has in the last two rounds. So hopefully they've found something they might be able to pick up a little bit of time for him and help him along because I think Dale needs it. He's driving he's driving well. I spoke to him on Saturday. He said, I'm driving this car as best as I can, Tony. I just can't get anything out of it. Mm. So that one would lead to think that there's something there. Let's hope they fight it and these two can go out and battle. As you said, two points between them is an amazing thing. And, and then, as we said in the uh, Tag Heuer Pro-Am category, three drivers going for that championship. So effectively, a core of the field on the weekend will be racing for a championship, which is amazing. Yeah. Richard, so, we have we have a, an upcoming feature uh, with Michael Ritter on the, the and uh, Can we publish uh, I, that? Yes. I would. I would yes, we, we, do we absolutely too many expletives? No, <laughs> you know, we were we were fine. We recorded plenty. Yeah. Uh, but you know, <laughs> but the thing is, of course, that both these guys are from his stable, and yes. uh, we know Michael is a you know very hard taskmaster. He, he runs a brilliant operation. Uh, but he's now got to manage this because if these two guys start getting into each other, um, it's going to be a very interesting day out. So uh, it's two team cars um, at the Gold Coast, anything can happen. It's going to be a ripper. You know, you know what, Dale, though, and I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I don't think these two guys are like that. They both have the utmost respect for each other. Dale speaks extremely highly mm. of Jordan and effectively has said, you know, if he loses the championship to anyone, he hopes it's this young kid who is a great driver. And we know that Jordan also has the utmost respect for Dale. So I don't think it's going to come to a fact where they, you know, to a point where they take each other 
of the track. But it's going no, to be but Tony, at that track, you know, if they are in contention yeah. and the points are falling their way, Dale's not going to put his indicator on and say, please pass me. No, no, true, true. Uh, you know, it, it's, if, if they're together and the points are there towards the end of the meeting, uh, it's winner-take-all. And with two points to difference, it is winner-take-all. Yeah, good call. Mark, Mark, there's precedent for this as well because the last time a Sonic driver won the championship, it was a bloke that you and I know very well, Nick Foster. Uh, and Nick mm. had scored exactly zero points after the first four races of the championship, three DNFs in Adelaide, a DNF in race one at Melbourne, then a tenth and a fifth. So he was outside the top ten in the championship after two rounds. He then won from Phillip Island eight of ten races and was on the podium in all bar one through the end of the year and ultimately came through and won the championship in remarkable fashion. So comeback stories like this have happened before. Um, so there is... There is precedent for this, but this has turned into an absolute belter of a championship. We weren't sure if it could be better than last year's, but I reckon it has been for in many, many instances. Oh, I mean, the dogs are going off. It's... <laughs> That's not my yeah. house. Everyone's up, everyone's up and about. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. They're my dogs. I've gone to the Yelpy. They want credit I'm, too. Uh, I'm I'm sitting in the in the study, hopefully nice and quiet, and they've gone nuts. So my apologies what's, to everyone who's what's listening. What's going to this, on in the leafy inner eastern suburbs of Melbourneville? It sounds well, like plenty going on. Yeah, you know, the dishwasher's <laughs> been stacked and the dogs are barking. So God knows what's going on. So my apologies to uh, all who's listening please, to this. Please carry on, Mark. Oh, look, I lost my train of thought because you know what I'm excited about is the jumpy trucks. Yes. The jumpy trucks. Ridiculous track, ridiculous things. You're so close to them. You can see up underneath them. That's going to be fantastic. And it has been reinstated as races. They were originally put in there as a demonstration. But, uh, they have, low, they have lowered the ramps a little bit so they won't go as high as they used to. Yeah, so they say. Yeah, sure. yes. But they, they get air over the curbs, let alone the... Let exactly. alone the, the ramps. Now look, I'm 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 wrapped their back. They they were sorely missed, and like the NASCAR demo was terrific, and all of that was great. But but for, there's got to be a part of our show, and we are a show motorsport. As much as everyone likes to be all puritanical about it, and go, oh, it's a sport, and it's all got to be serious and strategy and things like that. But there has to be an element of serious entertainment, and this is a serious entertainment category that I think has a massive place on this program. And I'm so pleased that whatever happened behind the scenes with Robbie Gordon and Cams and Supercars, they all got into bed together and, and put this all back together. Um, to have them back is great news, and they are a fan favourite. And I, I genuinely believe that they sell tickets. I, I reckon people pay money. It might not be many, but I reckon people pay money to go and see them and get the rest of the event yep. as a bonus. Maybe that's just me. No, 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 true. Uh, all right, boys. Uh, good chat about the Gold Coast, but there's been some other news uh, in Sydney this week uh, in an area that's quite infamous. In fact, Granville, which is near Parramatta, and the news broke on Monday that uh, Valvoline Raceway, uh, Parramatta Speedway, as it's known to most people, uh, was going to be compulsorily acquired by the New South Wales government for part of their... Western Sydney Metro line, and that's basically going to be a car park for their driverless trains that they're going to run out there for this uh, $18 billion project to try and ease some of that city's congestion. Good luck to them. Um, it created an absolute mess 
online and Speedway and, and indeed the broader motorsport community were up in arms about this. And Dale, we might start with you because you've seen this sort of stuff for a while. Um, th- this was a big outcome. Now, the government's come out on Tuesday and said that they will help relocate the Speedway and, and most people tipping and the logical place would be Sydney Motorsport Park. But it just feels like that they completely and utterly underestimated the resolve of Speedway fans and how vocal they would be when this news broke and they had to pretty quickly overnight come up with a plan B, didn't they, to, to build a new speedway? Yeah, I've, I've had a lot to do with Parramatta over the years um, and I actually worked with them even back with Shane Cricky and, and uh, the Green brothers and, and, and I think that there was no denying that, that properly planned they knew that the long-term um, validity of this venue was in trouble. Uh, they were, they'd been working with the government for over two years to try and work out what they're going to do, what what are the options, and and, and methodically work through a business plan. Barry Waldron, who who, who owns the well, leases the property, is a very smart operator. Wade Onger's been the spokesman this week, and he's done a great job as well. There's a big function there on Tuesday night, but the the, the way it just arrived, I think, is the issue. It's a phone call to say. Um, Oh, is anyone in the office? Yeah, who's there? Oh, the boss is here. Oh, by the way, we're taking your speedway away from you. It was just bureaucracy at its worst. So there, there is a backpedal very quickly. There was a very rushed announcement today saying, oh, of course, the government's going to help out. It wasn't even released by the correct minister. Um, so, you know, once again, bureaucracy has been badly played out in this country. I don't, as I said, I don't think there's any, any, any lack of understanding that the long-term viability of this venue was in, was was questionable. <clears throat> but um, what it's done, as Richard said, it, it's ripped the heart out of Sydney um, Speedway, and it is an incredibly strong community in Sydney. You just don't realise how strong that is until you get involved with with that, that family. Robbie Farr and Max Dumsney. The Greens, I mean, they are just just devastated. These guys, and they race nationally, but their heartland is Parramatta. It is one of the best venues in Australia as a speedway venue. It is absolutely full of families on a Saturday night, whether it's a sprint car round or or a super stock or a modified. It's a genuine family Saturday night outing. It's affordable, and I don't think the answer is just let's just move down Lewiston Creek, because it's it. it Probably that's where it will be eventually, uh, and there may be a stay of execution to try and make some sort of a plan to move it. But it ain't going to be the same. Um, it's, it's a, it's an inner city venue. It's old school. It's a very very fast racetrack, and uh, we can only hope, I guess, that that what comes out of it is a Quinana style racetrack uh, that was was funded by the government in Perth, but uh, really badly handled. A tragedy for the. Uh, you know, for the community in Sydney, and let's hope that there's enough pressure and, and the groundswell is there for the government to, for, you know, take notice that they just can't rip people's businesses away. And there's a big speedway industry around that track as well. You know, that employs a lot of people, a lot of fabricators, a lot of people in the industry, and they, you know, their livelihood is, is speedway. So, uh, very sad. Boys, surely, surely it goes to Sydney Motorsport Park. They're, they've just announced a $30 million spend for a centre of excellence out there. Um, the Sydney supercar team's going to be based there eventually. Uh, cams are setting up their driver development stuff out there. Yep. There's already a drag Yeah, strip. it'll be there. That's yeah. where it'll I mean, be. It yeah, has, there's no doubt it'll it, be there. It has to be. And, and whether you love or hate Sydney Motorsport Park, it would make sense to have it all contained in that one area. Um, SMSP well, will have it's lights. The, it's the Willow Bank theory. You know, you yeah. make a motorsport precinct, don't move next to it because it's noisy. 
on a number of fronts. But it is a designated motorsport area, or, or as Willow build Bank it, is. And, um, build it next to a tip yeah. where no one will move to anyway. Well, that's, that's can, exactly right. So, look, can it, we it also ensure, there, yeah, can we also yeah. ensure that the government, in its planning for this new Sydney Western Metro line, has a train stop that runs to Sydney Motorsport Park, for God's sakes? The closest well, on the map, the is Blacktown, and then you've got to uh, catch a bus, and it's just a nightmare if no, you're trying on, to get on, there by public transport. On the map that I've seen, it doesn't, so don't, don't, don't hold your breath mm. there, mate. Yep, you need a driver's license to get there. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I'm stuffed then. <laughs> yeah, right, so we'll follow that story. We don't have to talk about Speedway. We should talk about more of it. We can get some gurus on at some point. But uh, coming into summer, it's a big story, and we don't like seeing racetracks bulldozed. So fingers crossed that all gets sorted out. And Can uh, I say how bad a week it's been for Valvoline, Richard? Well, you can. And yes, they're losing their speedway and then losing their racing car team. Well, we, I wanted to finish on that, and it's it's nice that you led us to it. So let's just reflect the news, of course, Gary Rogers Motorsport pulling out of supercars. Um, if you take the pragmatic, non-emotional approach, it's a business decision because clearly the business model they had and the sponsorship they had wasn't going to cut it, and Gary didn't want to throw his own millions at continuing to underwrite a team. So he did a sensible thing from a business point of view and pulled the pin with a view to building the other side, which is the TCR and S5000. But there is an emotional component. This is a team that's been in the sport for more than 20 years. They've had an amazing track record of developing young talent. Um, so let's let's go around the table and just just give me give me your thoughts, boys, about this team and perhaps perhaps let's talk their legacy. What legacy do they leave to supercars? over their era at the, the pointy end of, of touring car racing. Let's start with uh, Mark Walker. Oh, put me on the spot there. Um, look, you, you have to go back to the beginning. It's putting all these young drivers in there. They had Stephen Richards, Garth Tander, Jason Barkwana, that 2000 Bathurst win against all the odds there on such a tricky weekend with the weather and the might of the factory teams. You go through the years. How about Gary's old dress-ups on the grid? Mm. I think we've missed that in recent years. Yeah. Yeah. Tony? Yeah, it, it's a shame. There's no doubt about it. It's an absolute shame. A team that's been a stalwart of uh, supercar racing for uh, a long, long time has to uh, take this evasive action to effectively stop their business from being hurt is the way I see it. If, they, if there hadn't been a way that they could have stayed in, and uh, they would have, but yeah, by staying in it probably would have uh, done more damage than harm at the moment, the way they see that things are being done. I think I think the biggest thing that comes out of this for me is the fact I think supercars really have to take notice of this, that the fact that we've got a, a major team, a major player in this, uh, in this competition that cannot stay involved due to financial constraints. And I don't think that this is going to be the first time we hear this in the next couple of times. Sorry, it might be the first time we hear it. I don't think it's going to be the last time we hear it in the next couple of years as well. Uh, my understanding is having a chat to a couple of people that there's sponsors out there who have already spoken to teams in regards to the fact that they're not happy with you know their cars that they're on continually finishing 7th, 8th and ninth. They want wins. They want to see wins. But a lot of people are of the belief that only two teams can win in this championship. So supercars really need to take heed of that and uh, make some amendments, I would think. Otherwise, we could see some big changes in the next couple of years. Dale, before you comment, I mean, that, that's a, it's a fair point that Tony makes, and I agree. But at the same time, Charlie's adding a second car. We've got two new cars 
coming in from Sydney. We've got investment there. We've got the potential of the Kostecki's doing something. We've got Matt Stone racing, arguably the smallest team in pit lane, trying to add a second car if the commission passes this split driver rule. So while there's clearly dramas in some areas, in others, uh, the sport continues to, to tick along, doesn't it? Is this just a case of the business stacking up for some and not for others, as has been the case? Or is, is it more an indicator of a, of a deeper problem? <clears throat> Um, Tony uh, and, and Rich, I think this. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use an example. Uh, when Marcus Ambrose came back to Australia, um, the Stanley deal was was a very strong deal with Petty Enterprises on his car, um, and it was an all-year deal. Uh, it, it changed, you know, the brand a little bit, but it was basically the Stanley deal for the year. Uh, when they decided exactly the same thing that Tony just mentioned about people wanting to finish seventh and eighth, or sixth, finish seventh and eighth, they went to a team that they could believe uh, could finish first, second, or third. And that bought them nine races. So yep. you, you can't be half pregnant in the sport. If if you believe the sport is good for your brand, you invest in it. If you don't, go and play somewhere else. You know, mm. it, it's 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 there's no right of passage to win. Um, and and if your budget can afford you accounts running seventh, and you still activate it properly and leverage it properly, you'll get benefits out of it. Mm. So I don't I don't buy that argument. I'm afraid I I, I think it's it, you you can't get in and say I've, I've got a I've got a million, but I really need two million. Then don't do it. Go go, go and sponsor something else. So, unfortunately, that's an argument from a marketing perspective I don't buy. However, um, two things I want to say about Gary. I was very fortunate enough to do some work for Gary many years ago. Um, he is the most absolutely delightful person to work for. His workforce on the floor is something very unique. Um, Long-term people. You know, they've been a million years. The other thing that I really am going to miss about Gary and his team is that it's the happiest garage in pit lane. It doesn't matter if the cars come back in a million bits or they're, they're on a podium or, they're, or they've made a top 10 shootout, whatever it happens to be, that place is a very happy place to be. You know, I'll give an example. At QR, we're walking past. I was talking to Gary and Barry. The lunch comes in. He goes, come on, Dale, come and have lunch with us. It, he's just that sort of bloke. And, and that's what's missing from a lot of the stony-faced people in pit lane who are so enveloped in what they're doing. So from, from that point of view, I think the sport's lost not only a great character, but it's lost a great culture. And, and, and you know, really Gary brought that to, to the team. And, and he's, you know, and Barry, the clone, has almost carried it on. It's fantastic. So I love him. I, I, they're great friends. I, I, I honestly can say that. And I'm, I'm very disappointed to see them go. Yeah. Thanks, boys. I love it. Uh, we, we've spoken a lot tonight. Uh, next week, we'll try and get a guest on to, uh, to break that up post-Gold Coast. But it's a busy run home. Appreciate your thoughts. Um, very, very quickly, let's go around the table. Final thoughts. What are we most looking forward to this weekend on the Gold Coast? We start yeah, with for me, Schmecks. Oh, sorry. For me, it's Carrera Cup. Uh, the finish of this championship is just going to be absolutely amazing and enthralling. I'm really looking forward to that. Dale? Well, I was hoping it was going to be pouring rain, so I'm out of, out of kilter here. Uh, look, I, I, I really believe Scott McLaughlin, deserve, after what happened last week, I deserve he believe he needs a clean race, win the championship, and celebrate what I think has been a great champion this year. Mark Walker. Richard, Clock Hotel, happy hour, down there opposite <laughs> the shop. Uh, that's where it's at. And yes. If, if, if you are listening to this and you find us at the Clock Tower Hotel on Thursday evening and you <laughs> mention that you listen to On The Grid, 
<laughs> I was going to say I'll buy you a beer, but now I'm really worried that a thousand people. No, I'll, I'll buy it. We'll buy I'll some buy beers. We'll, we'll we'll shout some beers on the race talk. So there you go. Uh, thanks, boys. For the first ten, for the first ten people to come up and say ten. Are you? Uh, the, wow. Big budget, big spender, uh, maybe five. Budget. Maybe five. Uh, boys, look forward to it. Can't wait. I'm going to go and get the shorts out and get them on now. Looking forward to the Gold Coast this weekend. Uh, thank you, lads, for your contribution. We'll chat to you next week. See you up there, boys. Thanks, Thanks guys. All the best. That's on the grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Don't forget to check out the racetalk.com. All the photos, images, everything you need, and stories and words are plenty over the course of the weekend. And thanks to our great mates at Truck Assist. They've got a cool competition on. You can jump onto that via the website as well. That's it. We'll see you next week when we're on the grid once again. Bye for now.